Well, uh, I don't know about you, but every once in a while, I find myself doing a deep dive into something on the internet that is a total waste of time. Can we all agree that most of us do that? I, I don't know how my mind starts going down a rabbit hole that I go down, but I, I, basically what happens is I'll search for one thing, uh, and, and, and then something else comes up, and I'll be curious about it. I'll click on that, which leads to another thing, and, and then that leads to another thing, and before I know it, I am way lost, and I have no idea what I was originally looking for, right? And I usually, I find something very entertaining at the end of the rabbit hole uh, and something new to me, something I didn't know existed in this world. All right. Well, the reason I tell you that, uh, a few weeks ago, I, I came across this online group while I was doing something like that, where people shared terrible ideas they had seen other people dream up and then actually execute, like try to pull these ideas off. And uh, as we jump into what we're going to talk about today, I kind of wanted to show you some pictures of a few of these things and get your opinion, all right? What I'm going to do is put a picture up on the side screens, I'll explain what the idea is, and have you vote thumbs up or thumbs down whether this is a good idea, all right? So let's start with this right here. This is a rug pattern carved into a hardwood floor. You've seen fake wood flooring, you've seen real rugs, now you've seen fake, well, you're already voting. Now, now you've seen fake rug on real wood flooring. Okay, first, how many of you think it's a good idea? Let's see the thumbs up first. Okay, maybe like one right here, maybe two. How many of you think it's a bad idea then? Okay, so the vast majority, all right. Let's do the next one. Uh, this incredible decorative, it's decorative, but it is a functioning toilet. Thumbs up. How many of you are thumbs? Really? Quite a few of you. Uh, thumbs down? Yes, the vast majority. It looks a little bit too nice to use, right? I'd feel guilty uh, using that. All right, let's do another one. Let's do another one. This woman's mask made to somehow look perfectly like her face. Uh, I'll just, before you vote, notice it is not just her face. It is her face on that mask with another mask around her chin. Uh, I can't tell if she designed that mask to be a face not wearing a mask or if she actually has two masks strapped around her ears. But either way, it's a very interesting idea. Would this be a thumbs up, the mask that is a perfect replica of your face? How many? Three, four, thumbs down. Let's see the thumbs down in the room. Oh, the vast majority again. All right, let's do one more of these. This person's fingernails. I, I have been waking up at night with nightmares about those eyes. All right, are there any thumbs up out there or can we all just agree this is a thumbs down without voting? You're just contrarians. That's why you're doing All right. Well, there are a lot, of, a lot of bad ideas out there in this world, although some that have been executed pretty well. And uh, if, if we're honest, you have had your share of bad ideas, and I've had my share of mine, uh, like wasting your time with those just now. But, but as we begin talking about Tomorrowland, and, or begin thinking back to last week, and, and specifically the dreams that are inside you, I've got a question for you. I've got a question. How do you know whether or not your dream is a bad idea? Everybody in this world has ideas and everybody has ideas they think are good ideas. Nothing in this world has been attempted that somebody didn't think was a good idea, but every bad idea you have ever seen, when I say that, every poorly designed parking lot, uh, every movie you turned off after 10 minutes, every chef's special you ordered at a restaurant and ended up sending back, was somebody's dream. 
If we're going to talk about tomorrow in this series, and remember, remember what we said last week, not being consumed with yesterday, not being distracted by today, but, but you getting a vision and a dream for tomorrow. If we're going to have ideas about what tomorrow might be, how do we know when we have them that they're good? You ever find yourself afraid to move forward uh, or hesitant uh, or, or just slow to move because you wonder whether the idea you have, the vision, the dream, you wonder whether it's going to work? If so, can I tell you, that is perfectly normal. In fact, not only is it normal, I think it's probably healthy. Um, let me tell you, as a person who might be one of the people on the receiving end of your dream, I choose to follow people into their dreams who have a little bit of caution, who do a gut check, who themselves wonder, is this really a good idea? So if this week you've been asking the question we gave you last, last week, what dream has God put in me? If you've been asking that and starting to come up with some dreams, and again, we, we talked about dreams for your family or for your marriage. You might have dreams for your career or for your retirement or, or, or for your life at school or for your friendships. If you've been asking this question, it is normal to be asking yourself, this dream that's in me, how do I know that it's any good? In fact, how do I know that God put it in me? How do I know that this dream is from God? I don't know how many of you know what the VeggieTales were. Are, are the VeggieTales still around? Um, my kids are, are far too old for them now, but when they were little, uh, they liked to talk to tomatoes, and a squash could make them smile, and they liked to waltz with potatoes up and down the produce aisle, <laughs> which only makes sense if you know the theme song to the VeggieTales, uh, which I heard way too many times. But, but uh, it was a children's television show or a cartoon, and uh, at its height, at its height, it sold 400 copies a day. I mean, millions of people were watching the VeggieTales. But in 2003, they had to file for bankruptcy after losing an $11 million lawsuit. And they ended up selling the rights to, the, to their show, the, to, the, to the company that had Lassie and the Lone Ranger and uh, the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Christmas special. And after this happened, the founder and CEO of VeggieTales, who's a Christian, said this. Take a look at what he said. He said, we got ourselves upside down financially when everything was working wonderfully. When things were doing so well, I thought, I thought that was God wanting us to expand. So we grew like crazy. Now, I think it was more me having all these great ideas in my head and being so excited that I wanted to do them all at once. The name of his company, by the way, Big Idea Productions. Have you ever had an idea, a big idea, and found yourself wondering if it's really from God? What if the dream that you're dreaming is not the one that God has put in you? What if it's all just you? Around 1995, 96, I was a young seminary student in Southern California, about 23, 24 years old, and I had a vision. I had a dream to start a church with my friends. Uh, there were a lot of reasons we wanted to start this church. We had been in church and wanted to do church very different than the churches we grew up in, than the generation before us. That was one reason. Um, we had something to say, and, and we thought it was really important we create a place to say it. Uh, we had people with incredible gifts and talents, and, and, and we knew that they could use them in larger capacities if we planted this church out of our parent church. And then, yes, we wanted people to know about Jesus. We wanted to introduce unchurched people to Jesus. And so we set out to do this church, and we had many unorthodox ideas. 
Uh, for example, we believe small groups are important. I still believe that, but we believed it so much and that people did not have time to go to them in our busy Los Angeles setting. So we decided this brilliant idea, we would have small groups on Sundays and we would force people to go to them. And to do that, here was our idea, we would have a worship service every other Sunday. And on the off week, you would go to a small group in someone's home. We had a church planting coach, and he would say to me, Chris, this is a terrible idea. People will never know which week is the, the week they're supposed to go to the building and which one is the one they're supposed to go to the small group at somebody's home. And I said, come on, how hard can it be? It's just the opposite of whatever it was last week. He was absolutely right. But we kept trying our bad idea for five years. Um, we had another idea, we had another idea, which is that we would have everyone sit at tables instead of rows during our service. Like you were at a coffee house or in a jazz club or you're a stand-up comedy club or something like that. And the reason we thought that was great is because church is all about community and this, this is how we'll force community every single week. And my coach asked, he said, what will you do when new people come in and they don't know what table they're supposed to sit at or, or the only one that has any open seats are with total strangers? What are you gonna do about that? And I said, oh, oh, we've thought about that. We will have, and I'm not making this up, we will have mater d's that ask you how many are in your party <laughs> and they will escort you to a table that fits your party or maybe fits you in with another party and if you're alone you will join a party at a pre-existing table oh actually i should do this thumbs up or thumbs down to that idea <laughs> yeah thumbs down for many i could keep going uh, in, in fact, actually, I had, I had one I was going to share, and Andrea made me cut it because it was so bad. <laughs> and she doesn't want me to tell it. It's too soon. It's been 27 years, and it's still too soon. <laughs> I'll just say we had lots of good ideas, and we had lots of bad ones. And I remember distinctly, about five years in, having a conversation with God where I had to ask this question, was starting this church your idea, or was it just mine? I still don't know the answer to that question about that church. At my most optimistic, I can say, maybe it was God's idea for me to get a lot of bad ideas out of my system in my 20s so that I didn't inflict them on you right now. <laughs> How do you know God is in your dream? Here's, here's another question. If he's in it, if the dream is from God, how do you keep him in it? Do you ever worry that God gave you a dream but, but it's gonna take a while for that dream to become a reality, to come true. It might take a year or two, 10 years. And do you ever find yourself a long way down the road of a dream wondering if God is still part of it? Well, the next step toward Tomorrowland has to do with all of that. If step one was answering the question, what dream has God put inside me? Step two is this, it's this. Consulting with God on this dream that you think you have found. Once you've identified a dream or some dreams in any area of your life, the immediate next step is to consult with God. It is to pray. And I wanna show you someone in the Bible who does that with their dream and why it works to help them know whether or not this is theirs or God's. And this is a person in the Bible named Nehemiah. 
Now, some backstory, okay? This person, Nehemiah, his story takes place right at the tail end of a period of time in Israel's history where they had been held in captivity in Babylon, the survivors of a siege, that is. You see, there had been a raid, a siege on Jerusalem by the Babylonians who wanted to control the land west of them. This is around 587 BC. The Babylonians killed many people, and then they destroyed the land. And when I say destroyed, let me be, this includes Jerusalem. The city itself was destroyed. Uh, actually, last week, if you were here last week, I told you a little of David's dream to build the temple, and then his son Solomon ultimately built it. Well, the Babylonians destroyed that, and they carried off to exile in Babylon any survivors who ended up being held in exile for 70 years, around 70 years, far from home. Well, by the time we get to Nehemiah in exile, the world has changed a little bit. Uh, the Babylonians who captured his parents or his grandparents, they had been invaded themselves by Persians. And some of the Jewish people ended up getting carried off to Persia. And all of this is a little bit convoluted and not really the point of today, so I'm blowing through it. But what you need to know is now in what we're gonna look at, Nehemiah lives in a Persian city and he is a servant of the Persian king himself in his palace. And Nehemiah, you guys, he spent his entire life hearing from his parents and his grandparents and his priests, hearing from everyone about this beautiful city, Jerusalem, that they all came from and that one day they would get to go back to. Now recently, something amazing had happened. Some of the people, a few thousand people, had been released to go back home, and they'd started to reestablish a community there in Jerusalem, and this was a big deal to Nehemiah as it was to everybody in exile, because he knew that this was a promised land from God for his people, but, but also, remember what we said last week, they believed that God dwelled in the temple in Jerusalem. And for Nehemiah, I mean, he saw that for his people to regain their identity and their connection to God and their purpose in this world, it was time to going home and reestablishing life there. And so he is excited that people have finally gone back to Jerusalem. But one day, he gets word that things with the people trying to start over in Jerusalem are not going well, let me show you. Nehemiah 1.3. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. See, they didn't know. They didn't know that Jerusalem had been destroyed after they were carried off. They always assumed that when they went home, it would be kind of like how they left it. And Nehemiah writes here that he hears this report and he bursts into tears and starts sobbing. If all those years they had lived with hope that someday they would go home, now there is no home to go to. And let me show you verse four, he, he writes this. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And for the sake of time, I won't read you the prayer, but in this period of prayer, and it says some days, that's how long it was, Nehemiah has a dream. What if I help the people, if I lead the people in not just being there in our old city, but in rebuilding Jerusalem? His dream, he would rebuild the walls of this ancient city of God. The dream comes to him, he gets the vision, he gets the idea, while 
praying. Now, can I tell you, I got some feedback from last week, really good feedback. Um, For some of you last week, you knew what your dream is as you left this place. And you were inspired and you were ready to go out at the next steps. I'm ready, I'm gonna go right away. But others of you last week went, how can I know? How can I be certain of my dream? How do I know that my dream is from God? And this is where it begins. Prayer. Prayer is how you will know that God is in a dream and it's not just you. Prayer is where God does the work to plant a dream in your heart. In fact, let me show you a real interesting phrase that Nehemiah starts using in the next few chapters. All right? In chapter two, he eventually gets to go back to Jerusalem and he says these words. I went to Jerusalem and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. Look at that phrase. God put it in my heart. Nehemiah says, this dream that I'm dreaming, that I'm pursuing, God is the one who put it in my heart. Actually, actually, five chapters later, when he's organizing some people, he uses it again. So my God put it in my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials, the common people by registration for the families. Now, Nehemiah believes God put this idea, this dream in his heart. Can I tell you real quick, um, I grew up in church, and uh, I want to tell you, I have heard that phrase used in church settings or variations of it, like God put it on my heart, far too many times. Like, someone will say, hey, um, God put it on my heart to give you a call today. How are you? And have you thought about giving to our building campaign? <laughs> right? Or uh, God put it on my heart to teach an entire four-week series on rest, and why pastors ought to have more days off. It's always bothered me when people used that phrase. Uh, although I will confess, I, I, I think I did use it once asking a girl out. Um, God, God put it on my heart that you and I are supposed to be together. Would you go out with me? Uh, it seems manipulative, doesn't it? And, and actually borderline abusive to walk around telling people that God put something on your heart. Because how does the person listening say, no, he did not? But that, that is not why Nehemiah uses that phrase in this book that he writes twice. Uh, in fact, when he uses it, he's using it in the past tense to explain why he chose something many years ago. Now it's like ancient history. We don't see him using that phrase talking with people and trying to convince them or justify his actions. And what Nehemiah meant by it is this. I had been in fasting and in prayer, and I believe that in that time of prayer, that season of prayer, something happened that turned my heart into fertile ground for some divine ideas. And see, Nehemiah prayed to prepare his heart for whatever dream God would give him. He was wrecked to hear that Jerusalem was wrecked, and he prayed, and his prayers prepared his heart for God's plan. And this is the first thing I want you to know today about step two in this whole Tomorrowland process. Step two, consulting with God in prayer. First thing I want you to know is prayer prepares your heart for God's plan. It's funny, as I say it, I almost think it should be step one. Shouldn't I pray so that I I, I prepare my heart before I dream? And I would say it's actually, it's 1A and 1B. They're simultaneous. But the reason it's two is because prayer is not just saying, God, would you give me a dream someday? Prayer is, God, this dream that I have, are you in it? Is it yours? 
And we're going to get to that part of it in a second. But prayer prepares your heart for God's plan. Now, what prayer? What in the world am I supposed to be praying? All right, let me give you a very easy one. This is right out of Psalm 25. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Um, If you're somebody here today saying, I don't know how to pray. I want to find the tomorrow dream that God's put in me, but I don't even know what to pray. I'm going to make it really easy for you, okay? Five words. Show me your ways, Lord. In fact, let's memorize it together before we leave. Would you say this with me, these five words? Say them loud. Show me your ways, Lord. If you can remember that, you got it. You know how to pray a prayer that will prepare your heart for God's plan. Extra credit if you can remember, teach me your paths. <laughs> what you're saying, what you are saying when you pray those five words, show me your ways, Lord, is God, would you place your ideas into my life, your ideas for my life, into my heart, into my mind? Um, our youngest daughter, Kendi, is 14 right now. Uh, she's a freshman in high school. And um, we've started to, to have those little conversations you have about, like, do you have any ideas about what kind of things you might want to do when you grow up? Like, you don't have to have it figured out, but you got anything you've been thinking about, like, working in you? And um, she has no idea, no clue at all. And it's okay. She's got time to figure it out. But what I am telling her and what you can be telling your kids and your grandkids, and, and actually, you can tell this to anyone who's trying to figure out what, what the dream is that God has for them. I'm telling start praying this prayer. Show me your ways, Lord. What you're saying when you say that is, God, place your ideas for my life into my heart and my mind. Okay, let's keep going. So Nehemiah gets this dream and he says, I think that this is God, but he's got a really difficult thing that he's got to do. He's got to get permission from his boss, the king of Persia, to let him leave exile and start this rebuilding. And so one day, the king wanted a glass of wine. And in chapter two, Nehemiah writes this. I took the wine and I gave it to the king and I had not been sad in his presence before. And so the king asked me, hey, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. And it says, I was very much afraid. Let me explain that. It was a capital offense to be sad in the presence of the king. Like you could lose your life for bringing your mood into the king's throne room. Don't you wish you had that kind of power? People couldn't bring their (laughs) bad moods into your world. Anyway, Nehemiah continues, I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever but, but why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? And so he writes, the king said to me, what is it you want? And look at this. Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servants found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in, Jeru- in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Okay, once again, you hear his dream, but that's not what I want you to see here. Look at what Nehemiah does with about one second. Literally one second, he prays to the God of heaven. And what do you think he's praying for? Is he praying for clarity? Is he praying for the right words? Nope. I believe that he's praying so that God prepares the heart of the king. God, you gave me this dream. You prepared my heart. Now, will you prepare other people? 
And this is the second thing you have got to know about your dream and about prayer and why those things go together. Because prayer prepares other people's hearts for God's plan. Um, I remember dreaming about building Goodness Village, which is the village on the south part of the front end of our campus here, the front end of our campus. Uh, 28 tiny homes, if you're not familiar with it, uh, featuring, uh, featuring housing formerly unhoused people from here in the Tri-Valley. And it is such this beautiful little community that has been built with so much of your effort and your energy and such a wonderful team over there that leads it. It's its own nonprofit with its own staff, does amazing work. Anyway, I remember, I remember some of us around here dreaming about that and uh, somebody in the government hearing about our dream and coming to us and saying, hey, I have heard about your dream and I would be willing to fund your dream, and I have an idea, we could get these certain types of shelters that I have seen, very cheap, and we could put them on your church property, and I think that they would be great for your dream. And so I left that conversation, and I said, let me go look into those. And some of us around here did, and we found that they were not great. Like they were incredibly temporary and they, they were not what we would call dignified housing. And they would, they would not have lasted through the storm that we are in right now. They would have flooded. Actually, these would have floated away. Uh, you wouldn't store your Christmas decorations in these, let alone have a person live in it. And, and a few of us looked into it and realized right away, uh, this isn't gonna work. And we knew that we needed to call this person in the government who wanted to fund us. And we needed to say, um, these aren't gonna work. But if you would be willing to give us more money, I know that we can build something that you would be proud of and that we would be proud of. Somebody's gotta call this government official and tell them no, but try to get them to still say yes. Um, I remember one of our leaders here at Crosswind said, good luck with that call, whoever's gotta make that call. That's a nightmare. This project will be dead in the water, not gonna happen. I pity the person who has to make that phone call. Uh, guess who drew the short straw? <laughs> Actually, somebody said, Chris, you have to do this. You're the senior pastor. You're the only one who can have that conversation. And I will tell you, I prayed this prayer that Nehemiah prayed before he answered the king. Now, Nehemiah 2 does not say the words that Nehemiah prayed, but I'm telling you, I know the words. God, prepare his heart. Prepare his heart. I didn't have any other words, just those words. I could not have prayed an eloquent prayer if I tried before I made that call. I just said them over and over again. Prepare his heart, prepare his heart. And I called and I explained our feelings and our idea and he said, yeah. In the last few weeks, in one of the worst stretches of storms we've seen in the last 15, year, 15 years I've lived here, the last few weeks, 28 people had homes who would not have had them because prayer prepares other people's hearts for God's plan. Your dream, I promise you, it is gonna require other people. It might require your boss, it's definitely gonna require your spouse, your partner, your neighbor, they need to be in it. They probably gotta give it their yes. And one reason that step two is you better consult with God, quick, pray. It's to prepare somebody else's heart. Okay, what else? Why else are we praying? All right, let me give you the next one. To commit your plan to God so that he can give it success. 
You know, I was thinking about this. I always kind of make fun of athletes and teams and fans, really, that pray for their team to win. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm a huge fan of uh, some local teams here, but I always think, does God really care about their success? Does he have better things to do? Does he care about one team winning more than the other? Seems silly to me to pray for who wins a game, but I'll tell you, I was thinking about this. If you're an athlete and you give your time and your energy to your dream, uh, it's okay to pray for success. Let me read you Proverbs 16.3. Let's look at this together. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. I love the words in that. When you pray about your dream, what it says there is you are committing it to God. You are saying, God, this dream I have, I want to do it under your leadership. Like this dream I have, I want to do your way. I believe you're the one who put it in me and I will be looking for your leadership each step of the way as I go and pursue this dream. And the Bible says when you do that, he will establish your plans. I love the way that that's worded too. Success, success is God taking your plans and bringing them to fruition, establishing them. And the Bible tells us right there, it's okay to pray that the plans you commit to God will become reality. In fact, it tells us that's how they become reality, by you committing them to God. Now, real quick, how do you do that? You do it humbly. James 4 talks about this with dreams. It says this, now listen, you who, who have your dream be, today or tomorrow will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry out business, make money, why, you don't even know what's gonna happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. That'll make you feel good. Instead, you ought to say, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or we will do that. Okay, here, we commit our dreams to God saying, God, if it is your will, may you establish my plans. May you make this successful. May you bring these dreams to reality if it is your will will. We pray with humility, but that doesn't mean we don't also pray with boldness. Like, you can pray with confidence. You should believe this dream is from God. You don't have to be reserved when you commit your plans to God as if you don't believe that the dream is real, as if you aren't sure, and the only way you'll be sure is if everything goes smoothly, because, and this leads to, to, to one of the next things you're going to want to know about dreams and prayer, prayer brings strength when the going gets tough. Every good dream is gonna face opposition. Nehemiah faced opposition. Check it out. Nehemiah gets back to Jerusalem and as soon as he shows up, the surrounding people, the Samaritans, decide to make things tough for him as he's rebuilding this wall. Nehemiah 4, it says, when Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. And he ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? And what do you, what do you, think, what do you think Nehemiah does when he hears this? He prays. Verse four, hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. He goes on. <laughs> Nehemiah continues throughout the process of building over and over again, praying, asking for strength when the going gets tough. Now, we're gonna have a whole week on this later. Obstacles to your dream, they are an entire step th themselves. But I wanted to bring this up today because you need to know, 
Part of why prayer is such a key piece of your Tomorrowland dream, it's gonna get tough. It is going to get tough. Just because it's from God does not mean it's gonna go smooth. It's gonna get tough and you are going to need strength. Last one, Nehemiah and the people finish building the wall. And they have a huge celebration where the priest comes out and he spends the entire morning from sunrise to noon reading scripture to people as part of the celebration. Doesn't that sound fun? You just get here at sunrise and we go to noon with somebody just reading. And then that priest Ezra, I was being sarcastic by the way, I know you don't think it's so. <laughs> And then that priest Ezra leads them in a prayer. Nehemiah 8.6 says, Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and they responded, amen, amen. And then they bowed down and they worshiped the Lord with their faces on the ground. And what I'm wanting you to see there is Nehemiah, actually all the people prayed for this, to praise God for involving them in something like this that was bigger than themselves. Make no mistake, the work was not done yet in Jerusalem but the dream and a step towards a bigger dream had been accomplished and they prayed to say, thank you God for giving us this dream and for involving us in your great work. And Crosswinds, I, I don't know what your dream is. You may not yet know and that's okay if you're still figuring that out, but it is worth praying, praising God for involving you in this dream that's bigger than yourself, because it is bigger than yourself. It's why I said last week, I promise you, your dream is not more golf, and it is not gonna be a really killer summer vacation this year. It, those are good to do, but whatever dream God has for you is bigger than that. All right, we are out of time before we go. Let me ask you, where are you right now in this process? Which of these things should you spend a little bit of time on this week? Like, are you still trying to figure out the dream that God's put in you? Because then, if so, maybe it's prayer for him to prepare your heart and show you his ways. God, show me your ways. Are you at the place with your dream where you're ready to go, but you need some other people to say yes to this dream to keep it moving? Maybe this week, it is praying for God to prepare other people's hearts. It is okay to do that. God, prepare their heart. Are you ready to say, God, I know the plan, let's start working. And then God, will you let me in this dream be led by you so that you can establish my plans and bring success? That might be the prayer you're praying this week. Are you finding, are you finding that the going is getting kind of tough for the dream you are pursuing for tomorrow and you need to be praying for strength this week? Or are you ready? Is it happening? And are you ready to say, God, I praise you for involving me in something bigger than myself? Which one of those are you gonna do this week? All right, will you stand with me? Let's pray before we go. God, we do not wanna be people who squander the dream you put in us. God, I think about what we said last week. Every single one of us has your dream, some dream you put inside us. God, we represent hundreds of dreams here this morning, and I can only think of how sad it would be if we let those things just waste away. And at the same time, God, what I know to be true is you can try to pursue a dream that God was never in. You were never in, God. 
And so I ask that you give us clarity, that you let us know when a dream is from you, that you plant it in our hearts and and then you start planting it in other people's hearts. And God, I ask, I ask if we're sailboats with our sails up, that you be the wind that keeps us moving. That when there's a dream you're behind, you blow in our sails. God, we pray for you to do all of these things in our lives and in all of these dreams, and we will be so excited to have been involved in something bigger than each of us. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thanks for coming today. Hey, if you're newer around here, we'd love to meet you out at the Connection Corner.